Hello and welcome to the PCOS Nutritionist Podcast. If we haven't met yet, my name is Claire. I am a registered nutritionist and I have a background in exercise science as well. And I specialize in PCOS because I have it too. And I know how frustrating the symptoms can be. So this is a Q&A mini pod. So where we get you to submit your questions on our Instagram stories and then we answer them here. But this is a bit different. It's not really one that's been submitted last week, although it is a question that I get asked all the time, so it is definitely one that I know you want to know about. Um, but I realized after the podcast this week on hormonal contraception that I missed a couple of important things, namely one important thing which we'll go into uh, about hormonal contraception. I'd written it in my notes and then I accidentally skipped that page for some reason. Um, so I talked about breast cancer risk and hormonal contraception and how your hormonal contraception can increase your risk of developing breast cancer. But I didn't talk about how hormonal contraception can reduce your risk of endometrial cancer. And that's especially important for those of us with PCOS. So I think we really need to, to dive in and talk about that. Before we do though, just you know, a caveat, I'm not a cancer epidemiologist or anything like that. So um, I'm you know, merely grabbing the information from sources like the um, evidence-based international guidelines that was produced by Monash University, which is for the treatment of PCOS, management of PCOS. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully later in the podcast, we can probably get someone on who's a bit more, who's, you know, done some research in this area or something like that. But at the moment, it's just making you aware of all the things. And I wanted to make sure that I tried to provide you a really balanced argument. Um, and although recognizing my biases and that I am, you know, a trained teacher in natural fertility education, so therefore my bias is probably going to be towards the more natural side. So, but I just didn't want it to come across that, you know, that there was this, you know, that the pill had all this increased risk when actually there is a lot of research to show that possibly it can help with something like endometrial cancer. And you're, I know that you guys are being told this by your doctor, hey, go on the hormonal contraception because it can help with endometrial cancer. So I just wanted to make sure that we talked about that. So the reason um, that this is, you know, you're, you've likely been told this or maybe you haven't been told this, but it's important for you to understand is that women with PCOS uh, look to have an increased risk of endometrial cancer, which is sometimes called uterine cancer. Okay, so this is the same thing, just different name. So women with PCOS, from the research at the, that we have at the moment, women with PCOS look to be about three times uh, higher or more likely to develop endometrial cancer compared with women without it. So the research is a little bit... Um, you know, providing different figures, it's about between two and six fold. But on average, you know, we'd say that's, you know, three times. Um, so that is um, definitely something that we, we should be aware of and really understand potentially our risk and what's driving that. So if you remember from the hormonal contraception podcast, one way that many forms of hormonal contraception work is by thinning your uterine lining. Okay, so uterine lining is your endometrium. That is, again, the same, same thing, two different words. Um, so it thins that. And this means that an egg, if it, even if it has been fertilized, can't burrow in there into that lining and therefore you can't get, a pregnant, you can't get pregnant. So that's one way that it works. 
but the potential other benefit of that is that it could reduce your risk of endometrial cancer because the um, it, if you have a thinner lining or if you have a thicker lining, that could mean that you're at greater risk of developing cancer. So like I mentioned in the last podcast, we're probably not all at the same risk and this is why you know women with PCOS are you know, three times more likely to develop endometrial cancer, but it's not 100%. And that's because we all have different genetics. We also all have different uh, other comorbidities or things going on. So maybe, you know, women, some women with PCOS don't get a period at all and some do. And therefore the ones that do, maybe they have a reduced risk or maybe some have higher body weight or insulin resistance or other things that could lead to them being more likely to develop the endometrial cancer, whereas other women don't. So we all, that's why it's, you know, that this risk is not the same for all of us, but unfortunately we don't know, we don't have good enough medicine yet to tell who's going, who's definitely going to go and develop it and who's not. Um, they think that women with PCOS, they think why we might have a higher risk is women who aren't ovulating. And remember if you think back to that menstrual cycle that I talk about, at the start of your cycle before you ovulate is when your body releases a lot of estrogen. One of the jobs that estrogen does is it helps to grow your endometrial or uterine lining and that's basically just like laying down your nest. Think about it like a bird, you know, like a bird, the first thing it does when it's going to lay an egg is it goes and builds itself a nest in the trees and then it lays its egg and then it sits on them to, you know, to incubate it. So that's what our body's doing. It's basically laying down that nest, laying down the uterine lining and then to allow, if you have that fertilized egg to go and burrow in there and you know, and then that nest can help that fetus grow. So estrogen is, is what helps to grow that lining. It helps to lay down that nest. So if your cycle is then working well, you'll then, after you've laid down that nest, you'll, you'll then ovulate. So you'll release an egg and then your estrogen will drop and your body will release progesterone and, you know, until it realizes that you're not pregnant and then it will shed that because there's no need for that lining anymore. Pretty much like the bird realizing that the egg that she was sitting on isn't fertilized, isn't going to grow and hatch into a baby. So therefore she, um, you know, uh, destroys the nest and goes and builds another one somewhere else. So that's if your cycle is working properly. If your cycles aren't working properly, you and you don't ovulate then you won't release that progesterone because progesterone is only released after you have released that egg so instead of instead of that your body will keep producing estrogen and so it will keep laying down more and more of that lining so the bird's nest keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that's what they think leads to the increased risk of endometrial cancer. They call that unopposed estrogen. So normally estrogen and progesterone should be like yin and yang. Estrogen is high for approximately two weeks, then you ovulate, and then progesterone is high for approximately two weeks. But if you're not ovulating, your estrogen stays high for weeks, if not months on end, and keeps laying that lining. Now, what I can't find is any research that looks into women that do ovulate and get a period and therefore our risk it makes sense that you know if they're saying well the reason for higher risk in PCOS of endometrial cancer is because you're not ovulating and you have got this unopposed estrogen and estrogen is high all the time and therefore you are laying down more lining you know it makes sense if you are ovulating normally and getting a period then you would have the same risk as someone that doesn't have PCOS but 
that as far as I can see that hasn't been looked into yet so we can't say for sure and I think until that does they you know all at the, at the moment all it is is a, is a hypothesis that this is why women with PCOS might have a higher risk um, or whether they do at all I mean that research is still very very much a correlational study so it's saying okay women with PCOS have a higher risk of endometrial cancer but it could be for some other reason so it could be that um, you know, women with PCOS, I don't know, we're more likely to use microwaves. You know, that's kind of how far you can go with it and say, right, unless you kind of remove the other, what that's called as like confounding factors or other potential reasons why that could be the case, then you're, you know, you're still just um, proposing this and it needs to sort of be proved yet. And, but it, if they're saying, well, actually there is a really good mechanism here it makes a lot of sense then we need to look and say well what happens if women with PCOS and are ovulating what risk do they have and then from there we can see is it the you know is it the unopposed estrogen and not ovulating and not getting a period or is it something completely different is it higher androgens is it insulin and those are all um, are, you know those are all definitely could be factors as well when they've looked at things like um, higher body weight and high insulin those are also known risk factors for endometrial cancer so at the moment, they just don't know quite what that is, or if it is, but um, but I think that it's something definitely to be aware of. So I've included the uh, the links to this research in the show notes. Mostly comes from, well, a lot of it comes from the International Evidence-Based Guidelines for the Management of PCOS, as I said before, which was a massive review done by Monash University. Um, and, you know, it's often good to use the reviews of literature because they kind of bring everything together especially all the better studies so if you want to go and have a look at that you are more than welcome there in the show notes um, so for that reason for that higher potential higher risk of endometrial cancer many women are advised to go on hormonal contraception to reduce their risk and um, the reason for this is because they've then looked at studies and found that women with women that have used uh, hormonal contraception are less likely to develop endometrial cancer so that they and that is also um, even further extended when they say that the longer you've used hormonal contraception for the greater risk that you have and the studies have found that that um, so for example you you know you used hormonal contraception for five years you have a um, I think the risk you were about almost one fold less risk than someone that hasn't so per, I think it was per five years so um, if you've used it for 20 years you might have a I think it was like a four almost a four three or four fold reduced risk and that uh, reduction in risk persisted for more than 30 years after oral contraception had been um, discontinued so if you were on hormonal contraception from the time you were 20 to 35 uh, and then you didn't go on it again, um, you would be protected, that 15-year, protect, have that protection of, a, I think, maybe like a two-and-a-half to three-fold reduced risk. You would keep that protection until you were 65, you know, that 30, 30 years um, after. So that's really interesting and, and a very important finding. And what that means, when the researchers looked into this, is that what that means is that about... 
400,000 cases of endometrial cancer before the age of 75 years have been prevented over the last 50 years by oral contraceptives, which is incredible. So that's a, you know, a, a very important finding. Um, and that research as well, that was, so I looked into, I was like, oh, that's interesting that they talk about how many people, how many cases it prevented because again that's that's a lot of speculation but it wasn't from big pharma it was funded by the medical research foundation in the uk and cancer research uk so you know it's not like it was someone trying to sell more contraceptives this was from an independent source but again this is still a correlational study so this study looked at you know all women that had developed endometrial cancer and then they had a control group of women that hadn't developed endometrial cancer and then they looked at all the you know a few factors that could have you know could tell them why someone might develop endometrial cancer and so what they found was that you know when they looked at the woman that didn't develop endometrial cancer they found that the number who had used contraceptives was more than the group that did get endometrial cancer so therefore you could say, you know, that's that's how they came to that correlation. But that reduced risk may have had nothing to do with the contraceptive use, but something entirely different. For example, we know that women who use contraceptives are more likely to have higher education and be wealthier. And we know that, you know, when you have um, when you have greater access to wealth and resources, you have better access to healthcare and more likely to eat healthier food. So what might look like contraception reducing the risk might actually be something else entirely different. Now, as I said before, researchers try and get around that um, by thing, something called controlling for factors. And this means that they gather this information and they make sure there isn't, you know, it isn't the reason for the result. So, you know, they might look at, in that case, marital status or um, wealth or education level. But in this case of this research, they only controlled for age, parity, body mass index, smoking, and the use of menopausal hormonal therapy, which isn't a huge amount. So um, and it's still a very, really, really interesting um, research, but I think probably needs to be developed a little bit more to say that it was definitely hormonal birth control that um, that improved that. And, and, you know, but equally, it's the same for that breast cancer study I was talking about in the last podcast. That one was a little bit different as they followed those women for... 10 years I think it was um, rather than looking retrospectively at their lives and getting them to recall you know I don't know how much they earned in 1975 which is a little bit hard to do right whereas if you're following a group for 10 years you can report on that and you know what they're up to Um, but it's still just looking at relationships and drawing conclusions which might not be correct it might be something entirely different that we haven't even thought about so just that's just something to be aware of when you know when um, about these studies but I think it's still very very interesting and the mechanism makes sense you know the mechanism that you know they've shown that if you don't ovulate you don't get your period your endometrial lining grows thicker you have that unopposed estrogen then you could be at greater risk of um, endometrial cancer and so it makes a lot of sense why being on hormonal contraception could reduce that because you're regularly menstruating and uh, you know regularly shedding that uterine lining and not having that unopposed estrogen so the next thing is you know I just want you to be fully informed about how this may reduce your risk so I know this is getting slightly off the topic of hormonal birth control in terms of the different pros but 
because I'm doing this now as like a, a little mini podcast by itself, I thought we might as well go into the into a bit more detail about it anyway, because so many of you asked me about this. So um, this is, you know, looking at the other things that um, when it comes to your risk of endometrial cancer. And one factor to note is that endometrial cancer is a relatively rare form of cancer when you compare it to, say, breast cancer. So when looking at disease risk, we need to understand what our what's called relative risk is. So relative risk is how likely you are overall to get that disease so that then you can make a, a decision. For example, if you had a six-fold risk of getting a disease, that sounds a lot, right? But if only one in every million people get it, then a six-fold increase is still only six out of every million people, which you'd think, like, wow, that's actually quite small. So it's still very, very, very unlikely that you would get it, even though you have a six-fold increase. So when we're looking at that in terms of endometrial cancer, here in New Zealand, 380 women develop endometrial cancer a year, whereas 3,300 develop breast cancer each year. So about eight times more women develop breast cancer than what they do endometrial cancer. So, um, in, so in the international guidelines for you know saying that Monash University where they've brought together all of the research about PCOS that's currently available and they've created these guidelines, they say in there that health professionals and women with PCOS should be aware of the two to six fold increase in the risk of endometrial cancer, which often you often get that before menopause. However, absolute risk of endometrial cancer remains relatively low. So what they're saying there is you need to understand that you might be at greater risk, but actually the risk is still relatively low. And this becomes important because I know that many women are prescribed hormonal birth control to reduce their risk of endometrial cancer. And I think that the state that their recommendations and the international guidelines is um, basically talking to that um, and saying that a blanket prescription of hormonal birth control to reduce the risk might have inadvertent side effects. Like I mentioned last time about that you know, big breast cancer Dana study, which found a 20% increased risk of breast cancer with those using hormonal contraception. So the potential is if all women with PCOS are given hormonal contraception to reduce their risk of endometrial cancer, they might inadvertently be getting an increased risk of breast cancer. And this is where it really comes down to understanding you as an individual and, uh, and also understanding that there probably isn't just one way to skin the cat. Okay, and this is why I think that we really need that more research on, okay, so what is the actual risk for women with PCOS if they are getting a period and if they are, you know, so they've got to ovulate to get a period and they don't have that unopposed estrogen. So if they have normal estrogen, normal progesterone, but they, and they're ovulating and they're getting a period, but they still have PCOS, then are they at any, any greater risk? Um, and so therefore you can see, well, if you have PCOS and manage to get your cycles back by addressing what I talk about as the root cause, and I believe that that is the case for most women is that they can, you know, can achieve that if we can figure out what's going wrong, what systems in their body aren't working properly, we can get them back working. Um, then would going on hormonal birth control still reduce their risk or would they even still have greater risk? And the answer to that is we don't know yet. Um, maybe not, but we don't, we can't say for certain. 
Or alternatively, if you haven't had a period for a year, then maybe hormonal birth control is absolutely the right thing for you to do in terms of reducing that risk. I think where it gets really tricky is where you have maybe have like a family history of breast cancer and you haven't had a period for a year and you know it's, you've been trying different things, trying to get that back. Well, what do you do there? And that's where it really requires you to have a great practitioner who can work with you and say, right, let's weigh up all the different pros and cons here and try and find what we think is going to be the best case for you. And again, some you know, you're not always going to get that right, but at least if you can look at your potential family and genetic history, maybe it's something like getting a genetic report done and seeing what your potential risk factors are and then going with the option that's possibly going to have the, the lowest risk for you. So, and, you know, and that's where also it might want to look at other treatments, like talking to your doctor about something else that might help, you know, if you're, if you've got that higher risk of breast cancer, but you haven't had a period for a year and you've been trying lots of things to get that back and it just hasn't worked, then, you know, talking about whether something like micronized progesterone or natural progesterone could help with that and whether that would be better than the synthetic forms. Um, so this is where you probably need to advocate for yourself here and really because it you know it's really hard for your doctor to try and synthesize all that information in 10 minutes um, but you know maybe prompt them if you think that they've forgotten and say hey remember I've got that you know my mum or my grandma or whatever had that family history or getting a genetic test, test done for yourself and really you know taking matters into your own hands because unfortunately that is a kind of the current state of our medical system is that it's fabulous at, you know, treating acute and emergency cases. And, you know, if you get hit by a bus, there's nowhere else you want to be. But in terms of being able to do the preventative stuff, because your doctor only gets 10 minutes with you, it's bloody hard to actually be able to synthesize all that information and and uh, and come out with the, think about every single thing, especially when you've been seeing back-to-back patients all day for weeks if not months on end so just something where you might have to and this is why it's great for you listening to this podcast because you'll be able to take this information on yourself and then you know and then query them and say hey have you thought about this what about what do you think about my risk here and and what other options do I have so yeah so that's my two cents actually 22 minutes cents on endometrial cancer risk and um, hormonal birth control and why that might be a fantastic thing and what are the other things that you need to consider when it comes to using that to reduce your chance of endometrial cancer or whether that's even you know a, a risk that is um, you know is kind of the, the most important risk for you so that's it for this week next week we'll be going into all of the non-hormonal options um, and so you've got those options available to you as well and then, yeah, and then after that, we'll be going into the, the permanent contraceptives as well. So I hope that you enjoyed that. Um, remember to submit your questions on the Instagram, on our Instagram stories. So we're at the PCOS Nutritionist on Instagram. No dots, no spaces, just one word. Uh, and we generally put that up on our Instagram stories on a Tuesday or Wednesday, generally a Wednesday New Zealand time. So if you've got a question, pop it in there. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully get to that in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye. Now stand by for our disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast has been prepared for the purpose of providing information, including about the PCOS Nutritionist products and services, and is designed to support clients' overall wellness. It is not intended to provide medical advice or designed to rectify, treat, 
or cure any specific medical conditions or diseases. Nothing stated or shared in our podcast is intended to be and must not be taken to be medical advice. Please seek the advice of professionals as appropriate regarding the evaluation of any specific information, opinion, advice or content contained in our podcast.